there's more default potential on the healthcare side than there is on the home Makes improvement sense. space. Hired all the existing network that came from Lending Club and made an absolute excellent run at the market, funding close to $1.3 billion over our three years there. There is a lot of platforms for an appetite. There's still a lot of appetite for healthcare lending. The space is only growing. I would say the key thing here is regardless of an in-house structured payment plan too, is the adoption and overall consistent presentation of a payment plan. Having those discussions with every single consumer really relaxes the anxiety of the patient. It gives them the options, the ability to know what they can afford. It turns into monthly payment discussions, which are very healthy in that environment. Welcome to another episode of Dental Marketing Theory. I'm your host, Gary Bird. And today we got a special episode for you. We have Jason, who is the Chief Revenue Officer at Prima Health Credit. And I've had the opportunity to actually talk with Jason a little bit about what they're doing in the dental industry around financing. And I'm super excited to jump into that. But before we do, Jason, could you just give us a quick uh, wrap up on how you actually got into the dental industry? Yeah. And it's a pleasure to be here. My dental journey started actually with Lending Club, which was an early startup. They were formerly Springstone and then they had been bought by Lending Club, which is a huge direct-to-consumer conglomerate, and they actively wanted to get into healthcare. So the transition from Care Credit, where I represented the vision and audiology markets, the parallels are very similar in financing. So the transition was seamless. It's just serving a different vertical under the same concept and value of what a third-party revenue arm can bring to a practice by way of their capitalization needs and obviously measuring return on their marketing efforts. So transitioning into the vertical was no problem for me. At Lending Club, we quickly accelerated our run rate with the team that we had hired, uh, West Coast to East Coast, and all major market presence in terms of early market penetration, establishing a product set, bringing a credit policy to market, and rapidly increase the run rate. So that was my introduction to the dental, which only grew from there. And then once Lending Club decided to exit... So just, just for, the, for the audience, for the audience real quick, so basically, you guys grew really quick, right? Really quick. Like you guys crushed it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then from Lending Club, and despite our success there, you know, with the markets changing at that time and where Lending Club was headed at the time, they decided to dissolve the healthcare arm, which was a big surprise and shock to all of us. And it's not foreign on this industry, but we quickly found ourselves at Green Sky, where I transitioned very quickly over to there as the VP of sales, hired all the existing network that came from Lending Club and made an absolute excellent run at the market funding close to $1.3 billion over our three years there. So it was a rapid accelerant in our run rate, and it was due to the relationships and product set and the quality of product set that we were bringing to market that was really differentiating to the market. And then obviously, sadly, with COVID, that derailed our momentum and um, was very difficult for Green Sky to recover. And they had to re re reallocate their resources on their home improvement arm and protect that arm with their banking partners, uh, which I certainly understood given the climate, right? Okay. And eventually, obviously, with the acquisition of Goldman and Sachs, they exited the healthcare space. Hey, sorry to disrupt the show, but I just have a quick commercial for you. We are going to be hosting four events over the next 12 months, and we're doing a little bit of everything for everybody. We have something around Full Arch. We have something for those that manage marketing. We have something for those that want to scale their practice at Dykema. And then also, we have something next year that's for everybody in your practice to learn business skills and to really maximize the opportunities for you to grow your offices. You're not going to want to miss these. Visit smcnational.com forward slash events. These are going to be the premier events that you're going to want to go to to make sure that you're getting the tactical skills that you need to continue to grow the way that you want. Because at SMC, we're all about growing. And so obviously, there is a ton. Why, why, do, you, why do you think that Golden Sachs 
uh, didn't value the the medical space as much as the home improvement. Like why I, I get it that you had to choose something, right? Because it was probably a pinch like everybody was experiencing during COVID. But what what was the reasoning behind that? I'm, I'm not familiar with yeah, that, that side of it. My best assumption based on the narrative and everything I understood prior to my exit there, it's just all risk tolerance, right? Goldman Sachs, obviously very, very smart aptitude towards the market, right? Um, massive portfolio with tons of AUM under them. I think their goal was to protect the home improvement arm, which is a super prime consumer base for the most part, tied to home ownership, right? And that was just a much more attractive demographic of what they wanted to lend to and support. And so makes total sense in that sense of how established they Got were. It. You know, the home improvement side was a well-established arm over there in terms of the capitalization of Green Sky and was the real attraction to Goldman in that purchase. So is is that because, just, just to help me understand uh-huh. that, is that because... Were they looking at the home side because the home repair industry or home, you know, upgrade industry has been around forever, right? Oh, yeah. And the health, the health side, especially around like dental, is largely new and it's really more cosmetic or elective. Is that, and, and, and you're not, it, it, how I would think about it if I was maybe sitting in their shoes is like, if someone fixes their bathroom or makes their master bedroom nicer, sure. they actually, you have a home tied to it and you have the equity tied to it. But on the medical side, you may not have anything tied to that. They, they just have a new smile. Yeah, I bifurcate them in two, and you're spot on. I bifurcate them in two ways. When you're looking at home improvement space lending, right, where you're dealing with contractors and then homeowners, you have very established FICO health with those homeowners as a whole, right? As a general rule, when you're yeah. a homeowner, obviously you're very credit worthy. And so it's an investment into their home. So the default risk on those loans, because it's proactive financing, Versus what I would attribute to dental, a lot, of, a lot of that is reactive financing based on medical needs, uh, whether it's emergent care or they want to pursue some, something cosmetic and elective, right? So I think there's easier, there's, there's, there's more default potential on the healthcare side than there is on the home improvement sense. space. And so through that lens, I think that was a big part of it. And particularly with the climate, the way COVID was, and obviously with cost of funds index changing and then the whole markets as a general, you know, I think that was just the, the logic and rationale that Goldman using and in, in moving on from healthcare. But obviously- that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Though obviously there is a lot of platforms for an appetite. There's still a lot of appetite for healthcare lending. The space is only growing. And so to be able to take this, you know, this excellent Green Sky team that has these years of established relationships and convertible network based on the relationships with these providers- it was a very seamless transition in Prima Health Credit and building out our product set and then just going back to that network, having Green Sky exited the space, created a ton of opportunity to accelerate the run rate again and offering another solution, bringing a renewed value statement with one app solution with a full product set. You know, the value statement's been seamless. And as again, we're seeing a repeat of rapid acceleration in our run rate with these established relationships that are, are giving us first look position and, and allowing our product to work for them. And I, look, I got to attribute that. It's really the value of the reps and the years that they've been in industry. This scales back to 2014, 2013 in their relationships. And they just have absolute turnkey relationships that when we bring them a new revenue arm and assuming it fits their needs, they're adopting it really quickly. So ah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then, and then, so how did that, how did that kind of ducktail into what you guys are doing now? How tell me how that came about? Yeah. So the, the I was really attracted to Prima Health Credit in my early discussions with Brendan as I was transitioning out of Green Sky because it allowed me to take everything that I've learned over the last seven years of what was missing from the market, right, by way of a full solution and a full product set of what a lot of the market were complaining about where they just want one single application that they can rely on to cater to cases all the way up to 70,000 or all the way down to 1,000, right? And having one solution where you have a structured 
accounts receivable solution. You have obviously a non-recourse waterfall that will cater down to a 600 FICO floor and its credit policy performance. And obviously with our partner bank at Citizens Pay, they brought in tremendous assets under management that allowed a lot of flexibility to create custom products and bring in our 36-month no-interest product to market, tying a very competitive rate to that, which has been very disruptive in our early market focus and making these payment conversations much easier for practices by way of monthly payment discussions on affordable care. And obviously with our PayAssure solution, providing you know an option for underbank consumers to get care and have give the providers an option to sponsor that. So it's been a narrative that's worked very well, and we're very excited about what we're seeing in market right now. That's awesome. So where where tell us a little bit about um, where you see the industry going as a whole, just around financing. Like where give us a little bit, just like again, it's fairly new, right, compared yep. to other industries. So like give us just a brief history of like here's where we were just you know ten fifteen years ago. Here's where we're at now, and this is where we think we're going. Yeah. I would think of it through the lens of two ways. You know, in a recessionary environment, obviously credit scores are going to be challenged, right? As individual consumers, what, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Challenge credit scores? Yeah. So as people begin to default on personal debt, potentially, okay, and credit okay. scores suffer yeah. from that, right? Because the way I always look at it is that you know, mortgage is the first thing patients are going to protect, right? And then credit cards and then healthcare expenses kind of take a back seat to that. But what we're seeing grow in the market, what I anticipate growing in the market is the buy now, pay later solutions or these structured payment solutions that are providing access to care for underbait consumers that have either had credit challenging issues so they can still get a sponsored revenue option that will allow them to seek care in dentistry, particularly in emergent situations or even the elective environment if they need optimal so care break, done. So break that down because obviously I see this everywhere, right? Like yeah. I, I go on to Amazon and I'm like, oh, I need to buy a bucket. And they're like, do you want to, you want to buy this now and pay for this later over 10 easy payments? And sure. It's, it's, I mean, it's everywhere. I go into stores and I see it. I see the little sign like you can buy this today and make payments on it. So I see this everywhere, but I, I, I haven't seen it fully adopted in the dental industry. I haven't walked into my dental office and seen, you know, th them be that aggressive with it. Could you tell us kind of what you mean by this, the, what this means inside of the dental industry and how it's kind of manifesting itself? Yeah. So the dental industry is now being essentially, they have to, they have to give more attention to the underbank consumer, right? As it relates to their marketing efforts and producing an ROI off that where patients come in and they're routinely getting denied for a non-recourse solution like Prima Health Credit on the Citizens Pay side, a Care Credit, a Lending Club, you name it. Yeah, care credit. Like care yep. credit is aggressively. I know I talk to people all the time, and they're like, care credit just basically rejects everybody. And there's like a small percentage of people that 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 actually fit that a paper that they're looking for. Yeah, and in fairness to care credit, all the banks are experiencing the same challenges right now. As credit scores begin to plummet, you're going to see a decline in credit policy strength in the non recourse in the non recourse environment. Is it is it just the credit scores declining, or is it also the lenders tightening their belts and their qualifications? It's a great call out. It's a balance of both, right? So you have a okay. cause and effect element there where as credit scores plummet and then data starts to reveal itself where you're getting more delinquency rates, right? More trouble in the portfolio with patients defaulting on these loans. Banks are they have to react to that, right? They have to they have yeah. to protect their assets under management. So it, it, it's a challenge the industry is always going to face. Obviously, it's going to be more significant in certain you know, fiscal climates than it is now. I think the one they're headed into is going to be very challenging and that dentistry is going to have to look more at a lot of these BNPL structured solutions where 
they can still create annuity capitalization through provide the sponsoring a program for these consumers that come and that still need access to care versus just letting them walk out the door with no treatment plan. Right. So, so break. So to help uh, just to, okay. So our audience here are going to be like uh-huh. five, 10 location type DSOs. Sure. Right. And so break that down for them, but from the consumer standpoint, so I'm pretend I'm a patient, uh-huh. I'm walking into an office. I get what you just said. I think I get what you sure. just said, but how, but it, no, I don't think some of the offices might not understand it. And then for sure the patient doesn't understand it. So break it down for me as if I'm a patient, what you just said. Yeah. So I'll walk through a case study here where a patient will come into a facility and they need emergent care. Okay. And obviously that treatment coordinator who is very adept at dealing with the patients offers a non-recourse solution like a care credit, us or a lending club, right? And they immediately get declined. Then the discussion turns difficult from a consumer perspective because now they're worried. They don't have a means to afford it. Okay. They recognize that they're, they don't have the cash flow to afford it right then and there. And they're getting, uh, they're getting disqualified on the non-recourse arm. Well, what's great about our program where this ties in nicely is that right then and there, during that application underwriting, they're automatically waterfalled into what we call our PaySure program. So although they were declined on the non-recourse side, they're told they were approved, okay, for our PayAssured structure program, which is an annuity arm for the practice, but it does provide a credit line for them to move forward with care sponsored by that provider because they opted in to, to participate okay. in this program. So Okay, got it. So let's so let's walk through that. So I'm a patient. It, I, I need ten thousand dollars in treatment, but I was denied. I, I go to Prima Health, I, I go in. It, it, it was denied on the regular financing that everybody's familiar with, but then you waterfall that down and then all of a sudden now I'm approved. So what does that mean that I'm approved? I can get the treatment now, but what does that mean for the office? So for the office, that means right then and there, they have a consumer that was underbanked in their credit profile, but they're sponsoring a structured pay arm that will allow them to pay for this over time while Prima handles all the structure and the servicing by way of flow of funds. So here's the really cool thing about this. So I'll take two examples here for you. You'd walk into an office that was sponsoring their own in-house program and they're managing it on their own, right? They're literally carrying their own AR. They're carrying their own accounts receivable risk. They walk in and let's say they run them through a non-recourse lender and they're immediately declined. Now they have to inform the, the, the consumer that they were declined and now they're offering their in-house payment plan, which they have to manage. They have to manage the risk yeah. on that. They have to manage the follow-up and the payment method. In our solution, they're automatically approved, okay? Now, the, the provider labels to them, well, congratulations, you got approved under Prima Health Credit, okay? This is their pay over time solution where as they pay Prima Health Credit and we structure everything for them by way of flow of funds, we pay the office so it turns into an annuity arm, okay? They're not getting all the funding up front, so of course, that's this product does carry more risk. But again, you're, you're measuring that risk when you look at an industry standard of, say, a 15% default rate, which I can tell you is very accurate in this space, okay? You can figure on an in-house program that's structured, managed correctly. You're typically going to collect about 85 cents on the dollar. This could be more in some cases. This could be less. But as a general rule, as a blended average, I always speak to that metric. And that's based off our internal metrics in terms of management of the portfolio and monitoring losses. So you account for a 15% attrition rate, but as it relates to what your blended overhead is, okay, and related to cost per acquisition and getting patients in the chair and providing access to care, there's tremendous opportunity to build capitalization that yeah. way. Because you're always yeah. going to have a balance I, of prime and near prime and then your subprime consumer base. Right. Yeah. The thing that's cool about this is that 
this is how ortho was built forever. Like this was the orthodontic model was, hey, we're gonna we're going to get everybody into braces that needs them. They to your point, they carried it in house a lot uh-huh. of times, but they had these payments of two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars rolling in every single month from hundreds of people. Now you have this recurring revenue coming in. Sure, some might default, but you can offset your prices to to make up for that default. You can slightly re increase your your cost. Uh, or what you're charging the patients to offset that 15% loss. And now you end up with the same amount of money that you would have if all of those people would have paid. I, I, I really think that this is like an amazing option that's going to allow a couple of things. Number one, it's going to allow offices to really grow and get the most out of their marketing efforts. And, but number two, it also helps people get the treatment that they need. And without having to do backflips and you know taking out loans on their car and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. Yeah, it keeps the conversations very easy. And that's what you want, right? You don't want a disruption in conversation flow at that point of application and getting the consumer to, getting the patient to care. So, I mean, you're nailing it in your understanding. Is there is there anybody else doing this in the dental industry? Oh, there is a lot of platforms that will will offer these type of programs. The differentiator comes to how you're the reporting and the servicing that and collections element that you're providing on these, right? Some have to outsource for third-party collections. Some can't provide real-time reporting. The reason this plays so well in ortho, and this is a really important call out because what a question my sales team gets from dentists all the time is, well, how are you managing this risk as it relates to my integrity rates on repayment rates, right? How do I know all this? Well, we provide all the reporting at their fingertips in real time where we'll give an aged receivables report and we can actually bucket for those particular consumers that are in 30 days delinquency, 60 days delinquency, 90 days delinquency which also helps them understand the health of the portfolio and particularly in the ortho treatment cadence where they have to keep coming back. If they come in and, if, and, that, and with that treatment coordinator happens to pull up a patient where they're 60 days behind on their bill, they can work with them right then and there on not only continuing their treatment, but getting them whole on the yeah. loan and the services that they've committed to with them. So yep. again, it doesn't have to be awkward conversations. Life does happen. It creates a lot of flexibility in the model to capture, right? And to work with the consumer on getting back on track and staying hold to their loan obligation as it relates to the care they're getting in parallel to that. That's why it plays so well in ortho because the consumer knows they yep. have to stay on top of their loan in terms of their repayments because if they don't, that's become a question mark in the internal office and continuing to move forward and provide care. You know, it's a service being provided. It's important that they stay current on their loan and doing that. And what's important is that we provide that reporting back to the doctor. So they have full visibility to that and ultimately knowing what could lead to a loss of situation. So, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Where, where do you, where do you see? Yeah. Cause I could see that playing out on, on the GP side as well. Right. So I need, yes. I need uh, treatment done. I don't, I don't qualify for the financing to do the treatment here. Financing will make payments. And then from there, uh, they come back every six months to get their teeth cleaned. And then eventually you are um, just, you're seeing them. And if they miss a payment, whatever, you talk to them about, hey, let's get you back on track. And and do you need help? Do you need, you know, whatever, however you need to work with them. Um, that's That's really, really cool. Now, how does this play out with like the whole revenue cycle management and all that kind of stuff. Does it make it more complicated? Because dentistry is already complicated as it is. You don't know where your money's coming from. When is it an insurance? Is part of its cash? Sometimes yep. there's a check that the front desk is washing and putting their own name on. You know what I mean? Like there's there's all these complications with RCM. How does this play in with that? Yeah, you nail a key point because it becomes very complicated when providers attempt to manage this on their own. 
right? And now again, I'm not going to speak for every provider. I'm sure there's providers out there that have found a way or a model to be very successful if they want to sponsor their own internal in-house payment program. So I'm not going to say this is the case for everybody, but as a whole, and in my engagement with the market over years, right? It's my experience when you carry your own AR, right? You're headed for a big headache in terms of tracking the flow of funds, what your actual loss rate is, where patients are at with their payments. It becomes a big nightmare and it's really labor intensive internally when they have to designate staff to manage to that. We take that yeah. all out of their hands, right? Yeah. You give you full visibility to how the portfolio is performing so that you can continue to make informed decisions that A, it's providing capitalization to the practice. My losses aren't beyond my comfort level, right? And in premium health credit is providing, is, is providing all the reporting around that, improving that concept or allowing them to make a decision to exit the program. Right. Nice. The way I always say from literally it's, it's, it's from our standpoint, I support providers doing what's best for their business. Even that means exiting the program. If losses got too out of control, despite all best efforts and structure, Hey, it's still a solution that they get to make as business owners of what's working best for their business. Right. Yeah. And that's so that's a good, that's such a good yeah. point. I want to call something out. I got a story for you. So you'll, okay. you'll like yeah. this. So I, uh, my kids go to a dentist and at that dentist, it's, it's an old school office and the lady's really nice and the kids like it. So that's where they go. Right. And right. so I go to a different dental office and then, um, so they go in there and they were like, oh, they need all this treatment done and they need, you know, some Invisalign, whatever. Right. It's a couple thousand bucks. And they said, you can just pay us the, you know, monthly, whatever with no interest. And I was like, no interest payments is better than paying no credit full, check. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, whatever. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So I'm like, yes. cool, I'll pay you a hundred dollars forever. Right. So I'm paying that hundred dollars. Right. And it's just like. It was, I was like, this is awesome. And then one day, one of the team members reached out to me and they're like, you need to pay this in full right now. And I was like, what, what do you mean? That's not the agreement that we made. And it was, it was down to like four or 500 bucks at the time, but I never missed a payment. Everything was auto. You know what I mean? Like it was, so I was like, yep. what's, what's going on? And what I kind of got the gist of was, was something happened at the office where they changed policy with this thing or someone gave me something they weren't supposed to or something and that they changed midstream and it created this really defensive relationship. I could have paid it. It wasn't a matter of like, I can't afford the $500. It was a situation that they gave me something that then they took back and that them trying to change midstream. And I can, I can just see now when, when you said that about managing your own AR, I can see offices having to deal with that, especially multiple offices. Imagine having 10 or 20 offices dealing with this. That can oh. turn into quite the nightmare. Absolutely. It organically turns into a potential contentious discussion, which started out as a great treatment plan, a great patient office interaction. Yeah. Leads to this type of contentious back and forth when they recognize that they could be facing you know, a lot of loss internally attempting to manage that on their own. And that's just the key to it. There has to be accountability to the annuity revenue. That's the whole thing here. It's all about structure. It's all about structure and reporting. If you're going to sponsor a program like this, it just needs to be structured, right? Mm -hmm. The flow of yeah. funds has to, be, it has to be measurable. And obviously, the transparency behind reporting and knowing how it's performing is very, very key. There's no that's question. Awesome. Yeah. Is there anything else that I didn't ask you that I should ask you about what you guys are doing in the space? Oh, well, you're asking, you asked all the great questions. You know, the key thing that my key message to all providers would be is you owe it to yourselves to, to at least research what these revenue arms can do for your practice by way of your capitalization needs and your return on investment and marketing. And obviously, more importantly, what everybody's wanting to do up there is create a lot of access to care for these folks 
and serving all patient demographics, right, regardless of FICO health, and allowing them the opportunity to move forward with their healthcare needs, right? And at the end of the day, having a single app solution with a very simple UX, right, with everything built into it by any case size that you're going to serve to your patients, waterfalling all the way down to our pay to our payasure program and knowing that you're going to increase your perception of approval rates by having a balanced approach in that sense the value speaks for itself and it is speaking in market there's no question so awesome. you're getting on all the key points that's great you know, I, I would say the key thing here is regardless of an in-house structured payment plan too is the adoption and overall consistent presentation of a payment plan right whether it be non-recourse or recourse or an in-house solution Having those discussions with every single consumer really relaxes the anxiety of the patient. It gives them the options and the ability to know what they can afford. It turns into monthly payment discussions, which are very healthy in that environment. You know, I get a lot of feedback where no treatment coordinators want to be perceived as salespeople or you'll hear a car salesman label every now and then. And I'm like, guys, don't ever perceive yourselves in that. You're not selling anything. You're being yeah. consultative and providing options of what they can afford. And that makes it easier for them to make a decision on how they want to move forward. Yeah, and, and it'll increase your cost. You know, and, and again, cost per acquisition is 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 controlled. You're witnessing an ROI on that, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a non-recourse arm where, with all the established lenders, you're getting your funding cadence in two days, and then and then building the annuity arm where they're paying over time, but that grows and that can grow significantly in scale. Where you know you're providing a capital injection monthly, okay? As they pay us, we pay the we pay the office, and it works very well. That's awesome. That's a great partnership. Yep. That's so cool. This is really cool. I'm really excited about this and I really appreciate you coming on. If, if someone wants to learn more about what you guys are doing and how to work with you guys, how, how, how do they get in touch? Oh, absolutely. Uh, our website, premahealthcredit.com, gives a wealth of information on how to get in touch. Obviously, my email at jhazelhuman at premahealthcredit.com. I am absolutely open for any inquiries and questions and uh, happy to point them in the right direction if they show any interest in us. Awesome. Thanks so, so much for coming on yep. today. This is really good. Really informative. Gary, thank you so much. Take care.